It is the final day of campaigning in the run-up to Nigeria's general election on Saturday. Africa's most populous nation, its biggest economy, is due to vote in presidential... People are saying whoever wins this election, they really want the person to focus more on the economy, to focus... million registered voters will decide who will lead the country for the next four years. It's election time in Africa's largest democracy. But Nigerians have a lot on their minds besides politics. Like whether there will be electricity to run the lights, or if their village will come under attack from some armed group. These are familiar problems, but a lot of people are fed up with the familiar. The main contender is also pretty familiar. The current president, 76-year-old Mohamedou Bahari. He spent a lot of 2017 getting medical treatment in the UK, but nobody knew why. And that sent the conspiracy theories flying. Al Jazeera English correspondent Ahmed Idris has heard them all. Buhari has died in London long time ago. So the, the cabal that is protecting his seat, that don't want to see change, have imported somebody from Sudan, or he's been cloned, to come and act as president in Nigeria. Sorry, cloned? Yeah, he was cloned, actually. That's, that's <laughs> I wonder how you're going to clone a 70-year-old person. It was pretty wild. But it speaks to some serious concerns about the Nigerian president's health. We still don't know what was wrong with him. But he's definitely back in the race. Nigerians have to page through more than 70 candidates on the ballot in this election. But the two main parties are king and the contest boils down to their candidates. President Buhari, he represents the All Progressives Congress. A victory for us as a party is a victory for all well-meaning Nigerians. And his main opponent, Atiku Abubakar, from the People's Democratic Party. This is the first time we are having 21 million people out of jobs. Abu Bakr, by the way, also over 70. This is a country where half the population is under 35. That's not a generation gap. It's a chasm. The choices in this young country seem limited to two old men. So why are they the frontrunners? I'm Ithiaz Tayeb, and this is The Take. Ahmed, as a reporter in Nigeria, you've, of course, covered a lot of elections and coups. Can you tell us about how many you've covered? Just give me a number. <sighs> I, I lost count of... <laughs> Basically, you see, in, in, 19, in 1983, uh, that was the first one. Uh, was, was Nigeria has the biggest population in Africa, the biggest economy, and big contradictions. It's full of entrepreneurs, but it's just emerged from a recession. It's a major oil producer, but there are power cuts all the time. And it has one of Africa's largest militaries. But it's bogged down in internal conflicts, 
including with Boko Haram. Ahmed Idris has been covering the country for most of his life. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful country. Growing up there was very interesting. You have a mixture of tribes and religions, and in one family, you find Christians and Muslims living side by side. So it's difficult to start a religious war there because you, you don't know who you're going to hit. You're going to hit your family member or what? But bread and butter issues like uh, poverty, like unemployment, lack of opportunities and all that have crept in and sort of further divided people. And every time somebody is appointed or is elected into office, the key issue is who is he, where is he coming from, and how do I use him to get what I want or what I need. All those bread and butter issues are linked by one factor, oil. Nigeria is a top producer in Africa. It's a blessing and a curse. When oil prices were over $100 a barrel, the economy was good, one of the fastest growing in the world. But the day Buhari came into office in 2015, oil had already dropped to just $60 a barrel. By February the next year, it was 26. And that plunged Nigeria into a full year of recession. It's first in a generation. Now, Nigeria's GDP fell by 1.5% in 2016, marking its first annual contraction in 25 years. Oil production, which is Nigeria's economic mainstay, fell about uh, 1.8 million barrels a day last year. Of course, that's been blamed on militant attacks in the Niger Delta oil hub. Millions of people lost their jobs. During Bahari's term, unemployment went from 8% to over 23%. So the economy took a serious hit. And many critics say Buhari's government made it worse. When you talk to politicians, only a few of them have an idea of what exactly is going on. Um, You have a parliament of uh, probably a few hundred people. And these people are paid more than senators in the United States of America. And most of Nigerians cannot afford three good meals in a day. That wealth divide is only getting worse. Many people blame government corruption, but not necessarily Buhari himself. That's because he's got a reputation for not being corrupt. It's part of what made him popular. Unlike many Nigerians, Ahmed is old enough to remember Buhari's rise to power. Former President Shehu Shagari had just been elected. That was in 1983, the year I completed high school. And uh, Shagari was sworn in on 1st October. I can remember very well, 1983. I was actually uh, starting a small job at a radio station, the Gongola Broadcasting Corporation. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Please sit down. When the military struck. Fraud, indiscipline, corruption, misuse and abuse of public office for self or group aggrandizement. There was a coup and... um, That was when uh, Buhari and uh, some of his um, generals took over from Shehu Shagari and locked up a lot of people. Will be dealt with ruthlessly, no matter whoever may be involved. And uh, after that, there was a trial, and I can remember very well, people were jailed for 100, 200 years in prison. Uh, Many of them were accused of corruption, stealing, and all that. That was when Buhari came into office. Tell me a little more about Buhari, the man. What is he like? I've met him several times, and uh, he's quite reserved. He's um, very disciplined. He is the 23rd 
child of a polygamous family. He died, his father died actually when he was very young. He was actually raised by his mother. He joined the Nigerian army at the young age of 19. And one thing people tell you in this country about Muhammad Buhari, he's been tried, tested and tried several times and nobody in his long military career and even his uh, political career can tell you that Buhari has stolen a cent or a dollar while he was walking. Buhari did crack down on corruption, but also on everything else, press freedom, protests, and his critics. He launched a war against indiscipline. Soldiers whipped people who jumped bus lines. Civil servants who didn't show up on time did frog jumps as punishment. Things like counterfeiting or selling black market oil carried the death penalty. The Buhari regime lasted less than two years before he was overthrown. After that, he retired from public life for a long time. Buhari re-emerged in 2003. But this time, no coup. He was running for president. He lost. He ran again, and again, and again. In the 2015 election, emotions were running high. Many people weren't sure the election would be fair, or even if he did win, whether he'd be allowed to take power. Well, let's begin with some breaking news from Nigeria, because in the last uh, few minutes, we understand that good luck, Jonathan, has called Mohamedou Buhari to concede the election defeat and to congratulate General Buhari on his victory. Buhari won the 2015 election by two and a half million votes, almost 10%. It was the country's first peaceful transfer of power. Buhari, the dictator, had become a Democrat. After he won, Al Jazeera's Mehdi Hassan asked him if he changed his ways. Do you regret your rule in the 80s? You were accused of human rights abuses, of being a military dictator, of clamping down on the press. Do you regret that period of your life? Now you're a Democrat? If there is any injustice that can be proved against me when I was there, I will gladly apologize. But uh, trying to stop corruption and indiscipline is not an injustice. And in fact, my coming back now under a different system is because of my performance in the last time where I was being accused of dictatorship. Because people have seen discipline, they have seen accountability, they have seen order, and therefore they wanted it back. That's why uh, the majority of Nigerians now voted me back under a different system. And there are signs his authoritarian side never went away. His critics accuse him of undermining the judiciary. Most recently, Buhari suspended the chief Supreme Court justice. That's who decides the final outcome of any election disputes. A lot of people, including Buhari's main opponent, Atiku Abubakar, says it was unconstitutional. The U.S. and E.U. have raised concerns about whether the government has set the stage for a free and fair election. So why do people vote for him then? What is it about him? Is it because he's perceived as strong and as someone who's uncorrupt? Muhammad Buhari came to power on a lot of goodwill. Remember in 2015, Boko Haram was setting off bombs close to the seat of government, close to the presidential palace. And all around the northeast of Nigeria, 
Boko Haram was capturing towns and villages, occupying them. So he came to power, um, one, because a lot of people believed with, with his military background, he could, he could make a lot of difference. And also, uh, probably that would help in raising the economy to a very appreciable level. Nigerians took a gamble. The security situation was so bad that they were willing to put power back in the hands of a former military dictator. So did Buhari measure up? He's talked to Al Jazeera a few times. You spoke to me almost exactly a year ago when you were a presidential candidate. You then promised to Nigeria that you would defeat Boko Haram by the end of 2015. Clearly, you haven't. You've failed. I haven't failed. I haven't failed. I haven't failed. When we came in, Boko Haram was, in, was effectively in control of 14 local governments. But now they are not holding any local government. What will you say to the people of Nigeria about uh, the fight against Boko Haram? You've, you've, you've passed your deadline. Uh, your information minister, Lai Mohammed, suggested that te- uh, Boko Haram had been technically defeated. What are you now saying to the people of Nigeria? This is something that goes to the heart of, of your manifesto. The people manifesto. of Nigeria know better. They know better than you. They know that 14 of their local governments was being held. None was being held now. Okay, so Buhari insists he hasn't failed, but would you say he's succeeded? Let's say Boko Haram has been chased out in most of the areas they previously occupied, but they still remain a very, very potent force. It's there, the security situation is there, Boko Haram is not completely defeated in Nigeria. And then you have also this crisis springing up. Boko Haram is what gets the headlines. But what was bigger news in Nigeria this past year was the fighting over land in the center of the country. This is from a report Ahmed filed early last year. In our country, a solemn ceremony for victims of recent violence between herdsmen and farmers. As the dead are brought in coffins on open trucks, emotions run high. Attacks and counterattacks between farmers and cattle herders have grown worse in Nigeria over the past five years. Last year alone, at least 1,500 have died and more than 100,000 displaced. The fighting hasn't stopped, and it's just one of the security challenges the next president will face. So the campaigns this year so far is centered around these key issues. How do I feed my family? How do I... um, ensure my, my family is secure. And these are questions, these are questions politicians in Nigeria have so far failed to answer. So there are a lot of people running against Buhari, but tell us about the main challenger, Atiku Abubakar. Former Vice President of Nigeria, Alaji Atiku Abubakar. Say Atiku, say Nigeria. Atiku Abubakar was a retired customs officer. Uh, he started his customs career decades ago, and he rose uh, through the ranks and finally retired to join politics around uh, the late 80s and early 90s. He ran for governor of my state, by the way, uh, Adamawa State. Four years ago, the people of Nigeria voted for change. Today, they are not happy with the change they received. Farmers struggle, businesses close, and jobs are lost. 
all the while our government has become less transparent and deaf to the voices of Nigerians. How do your average Nigerians perceive Atiku Abubakar? Uh, the average Nigerian sees Atiku Abubakar as a very, very rich man, uh, although some Nigerian questions his source of wealth because of government patronage and all that. But uh, a lot of Nigerians see him as uh, uh, somebody who is the biggest threat now to Muhammad Buhari in the, in the run-up to the 2019 general elections. You mentioned questions about Abu Bakr, but there are also these questions about Buhari as well, like those conspiracy theories about his health. People, a lot of people know that actually it's really Buhari, but again, um, questions are being raised as to exactly what happened to him. This is something the president is cl- uh, keeping a lid on. It hasn't come out to tell Nigerians exactly what ailed Buhari or what ails him. And, uh, and whether what he's, is his current status? And whether he's healthy enough to, to continue to, to lead the country. Absolutely. But uh, a lot of Nigerians feel that um, it's time to even regulate um, the, the age, to put an, an age limit as to who contests for what position in Nigeria. Again, the majority of people are under 35. So how do they feel about these two candidates? Two men, both over 70, both from northern Nigeria, both Muslim with Christian running mates, and part of the political landscape for decades. Do you get a sense that young people care about this election? That, that is what people are really, really afraid of. Many people think there will be voter apathy. A lot of people are disenchanted, uh, disappointed with the pace of reforms in government, uh, with the level of economic development, and generally with their own involvement in politics. Many Nigerians, especially the young people who supported Muhammad Buhari in 2015, believe that they were not properly taken care of. I voted and supported the current president, who is Muhammad Buhari. We've heard that from people on the ground as well. But however, I feel that all the promises he made had not been fulfilled. I'm supposed to travel back home to vote, but I'm not going anywhere because it doesn't matter who votes or who does not vote. They always do selection, not election. The truth is that our vote does not count in Nigeria. I love nobody. I love no politician because they don't care about us. And for the young people, they don't have the opportunity to express themselves. For example, uh, right now, if you are running for parliamentary election in Nigeria, the least you're expected to spend is probably $1 million for you to get elected. And how many people, how many young people in Nigeria can afford uh, maybe $100,000? Would you characterize this as a real two-man's race, or is it more of a referendum on Buhari? Under normal circumstance, Atiku Abubakar shouldn't give Muhammad Buhari a very, very good run for his money. That is what many Nigerians will tell you right now. But the way things are because of the situation on the ground, the economy, uh, the security situation, and all that, uh, they feel... Atiku Abubakar and the PDP will do better. It's a two-way race, likely, and it's also a referendum on Buhari on whether or not he is 
um, is good enough for Nigeria. As a Nigerian, what do you personally want to see out of this election, regardless of who wins? Believe me, MTS, the basic thing is to give the ordinary Nigerian the chance to live a life, a decent and respectable life. Most Nigerians are very, very resilient and entrepreneurial. Give them the enabling environment, Nigerians will excel. Security must be provided. Education, which is in touch as health care that forced Nigeria's president to go abroad to look for medical attention. All these things should be fixed. But unfortunately, many politicians in Nigeria don't understand this. I hope whoever wins this election will set Nigeria on this path where there's equity, there's justice, and there is performance. And that's The Take. Alexandra Locke produced this episode with Jasmine Bayumi, Morgan Waters, Priyanka Tilve, Ney Alvarez, Dina Chesbe, and me, Imtiaz Tayeb. Ian Koss was the sound designer. Natalia Aldana is the social media producer. The show's lead producer is Graylin Bashir. Special thanks to Ahmed Idris, Fidel Sumba, Romeo Luyindola, and Butena Azabi. <laughs>